Brothers and sisters, happy Sunday. And a very happy Mother's Day to all of you. Let's go ahead and pray. Creator God, Holy Spirit, beloved brother Jesus, may the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts and minds be pleasing and acceptable unto thee, our guide and our destination. Amen. Well, for those uh, of you out there who, against all better discretion and my advice, have been watching the news, probably noticed that there was yesterday another um, white supremacist uh, rally in Washington, D.C. Um, it's a public square. People go and make their voices heard. It is distressing now that we've reached the level of tenor in this country where they're openly declaring themselves to be white supremacists. That used to be something that they shied away from. But now they've marched on Washington, and likewise in Miami and elsewhere in the country, there are these uh, so-called revivals of Christian nationalists who are declaring their loyalty not to the way of Jesus Christ, the way of righteousness, peace, or love, but rather to a political candidate, uh, to a, uh, a man. Um, and in that, they have missed the Jesus mile by, a, missed the Jesus way by about a country mile, I think they they're being led astray. But at the root of all of this is, I think, a common denominator, something that we all share. And though it's incredibly nauseating to cede any ground at all to people who worship racism or who lift up uh, a politician as a, as a savior, the reality is that every single person in this country and every single person in this world is seeking community and connectedness, whether they want to admit it or not. And I know this because I was recently, and still am, often the target of uh, many of these deluded young men and the, um, the old men who prey upon them, try to convince them to join their little militias and movements. I used to get a lot more phone calls. I'll probably get some phone calls after this Sunday for saying this. Um, but I would frequently be a voice for reason and compassion, for celebrating diversity and unity in this common project called America. And then I, my cell phone would ring, and on the end I would always say unknown number, and I would pick up the phone, it'd be some angry neo-Nazi or, or Confederate, something like that. Um, it's, tempting, it's tempting to just block those calls. I used to do that. Um, then there was a, an African woman, African-American woman who was a teacher of mine and we were having lunch and we were, I was discussing this and I said, I keep getting calls, I keep getting phone calls from, um, the, from the Proud Boys and the neo-Nazis and they keep putting my phone number up on the internet and uh, I, it's exhausting, I just wanna block them. And, and she said, you know, Nathan, you're, you're, you're a white man. I said, yes, I am. And she said, uh, you have a responsibility to clean up your own trash. And uh, so I stopped uh, blocking the phone calls and I started answering the phone and talked to these guys. And they would always have about 30 seconds of planned vitriol that they'd throw at me and call me all sorts of things, names that I hadn't seen since I'd read books about the civil rights movement. And once they'd gotten all their spleen vented, I'd ask them what it was they actually wanted from me. You know, what's your name? I'd say, you don't have to tell me your last name. And they'd say, well, my name's, you know, Mike. 
you know, and, and, and say, what are, you, what are you so angry at me about? I said, well, you were, you, you were on the news and, and, and you said uh, that we were behaving un-American. Um, or you were on the news and you said that we're, we're uh, hurting our communities. I said, yes, I believe that you are. I think that white supremacy has no place in the streets of America. And when I would cut through and actually get to the very wounded individual on the other end of that conversation, invariably they'd say the same thing. They'd say, you are supposed to be on our side. I'd say, well, what, what, what side is that? They'd say, well, you're a, you're, a, you're a white guy. You're supposed to be one of us. Why are you sticking up for them? This is the twisted The, this is the twisted hypocrisy of white supremacy. It is the idea that you can love America without loving all of the Americans who live there. It's a contradiction. It doesn't make any sense at all. If you love America, you love hundreds of millions of people who are radically different from you and speak different languages and worship different religions or worship no religion at all. You are in love with a people who are exasperatingly diverse sometimes, who have different dreams and ambitions than your own. If you love America, you love hundreds of millions of people from all different walks of life. So don't claim to love America if you don't love Americans or if you only love the ones that look like you. And they never really like to hear that, so that's typically where I'd get hung up on. They're searching for something that no one has told them that they need. They're searching for a way to be connected to somebody else. Jesus teaches us that we're connected to one another through this thing that he calls the advocate. Other places in the Bible it's called pneuma or spirit. Some places it's called uh, ruach, the breath of God. This thing that connects all human beings together the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough, especially in our tradition. We love to talk about the Creator, especially because we believe that the creation itself is holy and sacred and is named good. We love to talk about Jesus. We talk about Jesus every single Sunday. But the Holy Spirit somehow gets relegated to this third, this third class seat. You end up with like, you know, Jesus and God the Father and they're crazy flying sidekick, the, the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's absolutely central to who we are as Christians. The, the, the $50 word for it is pneumatology. Pneumatology just means the study of the Spirit. And the Spirit is present in those of us when we keep Jesus' commandments. Jesus says, he said, you have my commandments, now keep them. Do them. To do that, you have to be part of a living web. You have to go to people. You have to serve them. Our religion is not one where you can just hang out with God while you mow the lawn on Sunday morning and call it good. It's a religion. It's a tradition that says to us, no, you're different. You've got to go out there in the world and help fix things. But when you do that, You'll become part of the Holy Spirit. You'll be part of this living web of human experience. And Jesus is there and God is there. Relationship is strong medicine, though. 
and it takes a lot of work. It's much easier, especially today, to just become isolated. And it's, I guess it's probably good for the economy too. Let's think about this experience I had when I lived in, 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 a, in a city. I lived on a block with a lot of houses and a lot of sidewalks. And this, in, in Kalamazoo, you're required to clean the snow off of your sidewalk. And uh, uh, we all had snow blowers. And so and the snow fell and like I would walk out the door and you'd see like 12, I lived on the corner, so I'd see like 12 snow blowers that way and 12 snow blowers that way and 12 snow blowers that way. And everybody's clearing off 40 feet of sidewalk with their own snow blower that they spent $600 on. <laughs> what a ridiculous, goofy way to do things. What if we just had one snow blower and we all just took turns, you know? So I started putting the word out. We started sharing snowblowers and we created a calendar. And well, it's not a good way to sell snowblowers, but we don't all need one. Somehow we've gotten into this mindset of scarcity where we all have to have the thing. At every point in the Jesus movement, he's trying to teach the disciples, you've got everything that you need if you would just share. It's something we teach six-year-olds, but it's hard for us to understand. Relationship is strong medicine and it takes work, but it ultimately leads us into a life of greater abundance. One of the, uh, one of the reasons that relationship is so hard to sustain today, I think, is because we're scattered all over the face of the planet. Some of my best beloved friends live far, far away. My brother's in Boston. He was my you know, best man. And my sister, uh, thankfully, is near at hand. But one of my groomsmen, Evan, my cousin, he lives off in Colorado. And to heal this, Heather has, my wife Heather has this wonderful little trick that she, she loves to pull on me where we'll have an event or a party or something and she'll, she'll uh, in secret, conspire with some distant uh, beloved friend of mine to get them to me in physical, in, in, in person. We, you know, we were in Florida at a, at a, just staying at a resort, you know, park hopping. And I was, I was going to get hot dogs, I think, for the kids at the, uh, the hot dog stand while they're at the pool. And I'm in dad mode, so I'm trying to, like, think of four things at once and get the, these hot dogs are, like, $14 a piece because we're in Florida. It's ridiculous. And I had all these hot dogs, and I'm walking back, and I see a guy just standing there staring at me with his arms out. And I'm like, what is going on? Who? Is this man having a, an event? And it was my brother. But I didn't recognize him because he was so wildly out of context. I had no idea that he was going to be there in Florida. He lives in Boston. What is he doing there? His son, my nephew, uh, Ross, was with him. And it took me like a full 10 seconds to wrap my brain around what had happened. And Heather had just sneakily gotten them down to Florida. And they hung out with us for a couple days. I just had my 40th birthday party a couple weeks ago. And I was, you know, cooking food and grilling stuff. And down the path comes my goofy cousin Evan, who I haven't seen in probably about two years, you know, and he, he, he flew in with his girlfriend in secret. When that happens, you're struck by this bolt of lightning out of the blue, and all of the memories that you have with that person, all of your connections kind of come roaring back up to the surface, and it's like you've never been separated from them. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. That's why we have these little gatherings every Sunday morning. To come. That's why we do the passing of the peace. You know, the passing of the peace, that awkward three-minute little thing we do at the beginning of worship, that's the oldest part of Christian worship in our service. It's the most ancient 
thing that we do. In the Didache, which is a document from the second century that details Christian worship, the passing of the peace is the common denominator amongst all of the different ancient and early Christians. But that kindles that Holy Spirit, that web of human relationship that is so critically important. These deluded young men, likely breaking their mother's heart, descending on Washington, giving up, throwing up Nazi salutes and marching around in jackboots and desperately trying to convince themselves that they're adults, desperately trying to convince themselves that their lives have meaning. They're searching for that. They're searching for a connection to somebody, anybody, to fill that wound in their life that's created by the total alienation of Americans from one to the other. They're in isolation and there they find themselves in a crowd of young men who look like them and who tell them that our ideas are correct. But when they're saying that, what they're really saying is, I love you and you love me. And finally, we've found somebody in our life who we can trust and be vulnerable with. And that's what they want, but they can never admit it with their lips. Not in a million years. What they need is human connection. The web of lived connection. The, the great theologian Bonnie Miller McLemore from, from Vanderbilt University says, though it is the Holy Spirit, it's nothing more than the web of lived human connections. That's what the Holy Spirit is. And you can't have the Trinity, you can't have God, you can't have the presence of love without it. In other words, you can't do this alone. You can't get through this thing alone. God is laboring to bring about a world that is liberated from fear, anxiety, hatred, and anger. That's the labor that Jesus Christ is doing on the cross. It's not a once and done thing. Liberation is ongoing. Remember that when, when Mother's Day, when this holiday was created, when it was first declared, it was an anti-war movement. Julia Ward Howe, the great author of the Battle Hymn of the Republic, she wrote that song to inspire the Union soldiers under those hostile southern skies to remember that they were fighting for the liberation of all Americans later in the face of the terror of World War I, stood up and gave a proclamation. And she said, by God, from this day forward, the mothers of America will not send their sons off to, to die in foreign wars. That was her dream for Mother's Day. She saw motherhood as that web of lived connection from person to person. Of course, the wars continue. Our young men and women continue to be sent out into the world, coming home with broken hearts and heads full of horror. But as Christians, we stand up Sunday after Sunday, day after day, and proclaim that no, the message of the cross is that we will be set free from this. And though it has not yet happened, the presence of the Holy Spirit reassures us and reaffirms that we will be set free from this alienation and this hatred, anger, and violence that divides us one from the other. And Jesus says, if you keep my commandments... I am there with you. So what do we do? We get up again, and we go back out there into the world. We refuse to be siloed and live in echo chambers and seek only those who look, think, and feel like us to be in relationship with, but as Christians, we're called to be the yeast, the leavening that goes out into the bread that causes it to rise up and become one body 
It is a very, very hard thing to do. And we live in a culture and a society that makes it very easy to not do that. To choose to consume only media that reaffirms our own beliefs and our own politics. To choose not to talk to our neighbors. To choose and decide that we're going to stay home instead of going to that thing, that event, that protest, that Bible study, that prayer meeting. To choose to lose ourselves in the world of social media where we can uh, carefully curate all of the information that we receive. To turn our eyes away from the beggar standing on the corner in the wealthiest country in the world to choose not to look at the people eating out of dumpsters. We can choose and select what we consume in order to avoid the web of human connection and human relationships. And you can do that and get to the other end of this life but you can't do it and live a life with Jesus Christ. Because to do the commandments of Jesus Christ, to keep them, means that you can't turn away. You can't pretend that you're always right and they're always wrong. So instead, we have to do the really hard thing and we have to answer the phone when that bitter young man calls to insult us. We have to choose to open a hand when faced with a fist. And we have to go into the world being bearers of peace and hope. And we have to be nurturers. And for reasons that are beyond me, for a subset of men in America, being a nurturer is, it's beyond the pale. It's something beyond what they can grasp. But we have to allow ourselves to be nurtured first so that we can also be nurturers because it's our responsibility as Christians, and I think as Americans. Liberation is on the other end of love. And loving is never easy. It's much harder to love than to simply be loved. But that's the way through. That's the path to freedom, connection. That's the master key that unlocks a relationship with Jesus Christ, even today. And even today, it works and it matters. So be avatars of love and liberation. Be ambassadors of peace and goodwill because in doing so, you will ignite the spark that lights the kingdom of God around you. And I promise you, you will see miracles. Amen? Amen.